You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the CHGO White Sox post-game show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into our CHGO studios after a White Sox winner, the yes. first one in CHGO history. Sox win 10-1 to against the Detroit Tigers. They win the series 2-1. to The Sox wrap this one up very nicely. They get four innings pitched from Michael Kopech and five stellar innings from the bullpen and a fantastic output from the lineup. We will recap you uh, how those runs were scored. We'll recap how the pitching matchup went. We'll talk about TA's return and some bad news. Lucas Giolito uh, did leave Friday's game with an injury. We got some updates post-game show, uh, post-game from uh, Tony La Russa. So we'll update you on Lucas Giolito and what that might mean for the White Sox rotation here on the CHGO White Sox post-game show. Again, you know, we got people rolling in. People are excited. Tim Anderson's good at baseball. Let's effing go for the Sox. Series win. Kopech looks solid. Once he ramps up, he'll be uh, going after hitters more, and he'll be solid this year. we got a lot of people flowing in, so thank you for your support so far on the CHGO White Sox postgame show. Let's introduce the crew from far right, far left, I guess, uh, Vinny Duber. He's the CHGO White You're Sox watching. beat writer. Yeah. Yeah. Never never far right for me. Yeah, far <laughs> far, far right uh, on the screen there, but far left in person. Uh, at Vinny Duber, uh, he's the CHGO White Sox beat writer. Man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. That's right where I need to be. Hello. <laughs> he's the CHGO uh, uh, community leader uh, for our great staff. Excited to talk to you about this game. Let's start with the pitching. Michael Kopech goes four innings, 69 pitches thrown. Nice. Uh, very nice outing from Michael Kopech. Two hits, uh, two walks, one earned run, three Ks. Uh, Herb, let's recap Kopech. Uh, How do you look today to you? Shaky, but that's to be expected for the pitches that he threw today. Uh, I didn't have command initially. Like, he was giving up a lot of walks outside the zone going 3-2 with a lot of the hitters. But for a guy that just started pitching after a bout with COVID in February and only four innings in spring training, I guess that's even better than I would expect, the four innings. I was expecting only three innings and him to leave the game early. But what can you uh, expect from a guy that doesn't have really a lot of starting experience and then coming back from COVID and a, a time where he didn't pitch a lot? So for this performance versus Detroit, I knew he wasn't going to get to five. This is a solid performance. And two starts in the spring training for Kopech kind of showed early on in that game. 20 pitches to get out of the first inning. Uh, felt like 20 pitches to get out of the second inning. Felt What's like he kind that? of settled in in the fourth inning. What would you make of his performance, Vinny? 
Yeah, I thought it was a little bit of both, right? I mean, I think there were times where he looked really all over the place. First pitch of the game, I think he right. spiked into the ground, which is not what you want to be doing. But. Well, that was the thing. Yeah, he spiked the first one fastball into the ground, and then the next one missed high. So right. it was like he was overcorrecting both ways. He's calibrating. Yes. Still calibrating. <laughs> but uh, but then there were times when he was doing that Michael Kopech thing, throwing a 97-mile-an-hour fastball right through guys' bats. So, uh, I mean, this is the kind of thing that you want to see from a results standpoint. I mean, man, there he had hardly anybody on base. He was, you know, he he got through it with only one run allowed. So that's the kind of thing you want to see. Obviously, if the the more you drill down, the more you go under the microscope. Maybe not as let's put it this way: plenty to work on. Um, but this was the first start of the year, and uh, as a guy who was a little behind schedule, you know, Herb, as you mentioned, the COVID uh, that he dealt with there in February. I think this is uh, probably as good as you could have asked for from Michael Kopech with where he's at physically and then in terms of the workload management that they're going to be doing with him all season long. So uh, I think this was a, a very positive debut for him and only made more positive by what the bullpen was able to do in relief of him. Herb, what's the most positive thing you're taking out of this Kopech start? Is it the four innings? Is that the most important thing you're taking away from today? Yeah, that he got through four innings so that can build on – he can build off of that for his next start. So he's looking for five innings next time. And then within a good month, he has no restrictions anymore. Like as far as, hey, you're only going to be throwing 69 pitches in a start. Now, hey, I can relax. And I think maybe that's part of what he did today. Like he knows he was only going to throw a certain amount of pitches. Mm -hmm. So he probably was nervous about the pitches he was going to be throwing. Once he is an established starter, then he can relax and know that, okay, I'm just going to be throwing my pitches. I don't care. I'm not worrying about pitch count. I can relax. My hitters <laughs> give me runs. So what all I need to do is throw balls past Robbie Grossman, which he did twice. He just said a FU fastball twice to Robbie Grossman. He's not one of the best hitters in the game, but he is a pretty good hitter. Right. And he's just like, okay, I know I have 97 in the game, in the chamber. You can't hit it. So enjoy this. And I think eventually with Dylan Cease, uh, last year, you get confidence and you build off of that. Like this is probably not what he wanted to do today, but he said, "Okay, I got out of the the start, four innings pitch, unscathed, and only gave up one run. Baby, I'll take that every time." Right, and he shook the rust off. I mean, we talked about just that first gross minute at bat, missing low, missing high, uh, hitting right in the middle of the uh, the, the the plate uh, for his third pitch, and then just setting him down with two swinging strikes on the fastball, both at 96, 97. I swore that 97 had a little mm -hmm. tail yeah. towards I mean, his, the right-handed batter's box. His stuff looked nasty, and we talked about you know the quality and volumes of innings here. Uh, four innings pitched, it's you know low for a starter, Vinny, but we've talked about his innings cap being you know possibly 150 might be a lot for him to throw if he throws four innings over 30 starts that's 130 innings pitch which is a pretty nice number for the Sox I don't know if this is sustainable for them but it's a nice number to at least reach it the, the first game well I think the idea is that early in the season you've got a, a short shorter number of innings that's going to allow you to have a longer number of innings later in the season. They want him to be able to have September and October starts in him, and you're not going to be able to do that if you're, you know, burning him out in the early going. So this is what they're doing right now, and I think that's the way to go, and we saw it today work very well. Yeah, and thankfully the bullpen was as great as they were. Five innings pitched, uh, no hits allowed, and five Ks, four of them coming from Tanner Banks. Herb, what would you make of the bullpen after seeing some shaky stuff from Friday and, them, uh, from Friday and Saturday? Outstanding. I mean, no hits given up. That's, that's amazing. That's uh, a lot of work they had to do just like they had to do on Friday. 
and to come out there and shove, give up nothing, that is an awesome job. And a- Agent Tanner Banks is <laughs> a revelation. I He's nice. I didn't like the – he started off the game. It was the White Sox were leading 9-1, to one and he gave up an immediate walk. And I was like, ugh, Tanner Banks, we're starting off rough. Let the guy hit it as far as he can. But then he went out and struck out, I think, four of the next five batters he faced. He finished off a strong performance by the bullpen, and they need to be commended as much as we talked about him on Friday and uh, t- said they did a bad job. This is the bullpen that we thought we were going to have, and we really didn't have any of our big-time guys except for Graveman in there. Well, it's not just the bullpen, you know, as projected. It's the bullpen as needed right now. I mm-hmm. mean, talked about it before the game, wrote about it yesterday. I mean, these are the kind of performances that the bullpen is going to need to deliver until the starters can kind of pick them back up. I think that's what we heard a couple times, be it from Liam Hendricks or from Yasmani Grandal. You know, it was over the weekend, it was, hey, this is the bullpen's time right now. They need to shoulder the load because the start, the starters are going to get there eventually. You know, Lynn is going to get healthy. Giolito is going to get healthy. And these guys are going to be able to go ahead and go through their normal workloads. But right now, it's on the bullpen to help them out. And 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 you saw it today, Kopech's four innings. Normally, you say, hey, your starter only went four innings. You'd be kind of worried. But it was exactly how they drew it up today. Yeah, and they didn't use Liam Hendricks. They didn't have Aaron Bummer available. They get it done without possibly their two best bullpen arms. <laughs> like our guy Jimbo says, Tanner Banks, no cake eater. I don't get it. Oh, God. Mighty Ducks, guy. Oh, Adam Banks, yeah. cake eater. Yeah. I, 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 know, I just know that movie for Gordon Bombay just being a drunk little league hockey coach. Um, you know, a great role model for kids to it's look quality up to. Cinema. I got I to gotta watch it. I, I miss D2. I miss D3. I miss D1. They're uh, all on Disney Plus right now. You spend a weekend catching up. I don't have Disney Plus. Like, wow. I, you know, it's just, and it's not in the budget. I don't know. I'm not, it's eight bucks, man. Come yeah. on. Sean, <laughs> I might. Am I allowed to say this? I might share the password with you for a second. Oh, okay. Mighty Ducks all day long. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, ducks okay. fly together, and they also share each other's Disney Plus passwords. Mickey Mouse is rescue Clark. Um, Clark. Yeah, Clark. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't say Clark's name if he's going to be yeah. uh, you know, Mickey Mouse committing coming. crimes. <laughs> no, no, no. My, my name's Tom, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thank, you, thank you, Tom, with the mustache. Uh, very appreciate your, uh, your, your contribution to the show. Uh, we're talking about the bullpen, though. Kyle Crick. 12 pitches, 8 strikes. Matt Foster, 9 pitches, 6 strikes. Uh, Kendall Graveman, 7 pitches, 6 strikes. And then Tanner Banks had the worst you know, strike percentage of them, uh, 23 strikes out of his 37 pitches, which is still 62%. So the White Sox were efficient, loading up the zone with strikes. Uh, great job by the bullpen uh, getting efficient uh, outs today, which was great to see. Uh, just final thoughts on Kopech before we go into the run recap, and we'll tell you how the White Sox scored. Uh, it really felt like he was relying heavily on that fastball slide through the first three innings. Uh, he started working in a curveball, and we got the stats up here now. Uh, five curveballs, those came in the third and fourth innings. Uh, he started working that in more, and he started becoming uh, more dominant. He started getting more strikeouts and swings and misses. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch if he starts using that curveball more, if he starts becoming a, a more of a three-pitch pitcher. Uh, being out of the bullpen, fastball slider works, but you know, July and August, September, he stopped going away from the curveball, became heavy fastball slider. It was good to see him finally mix in that curveball because the slider was not getting the swings and misses uh, that he wanted early on in that game. Uh, you could see that number, the CSW percentage, that was at 14% before he, or that was at 7% before he started throwing the curveball. So that jumping up to 14%, the curveball helped the slider there. And remember, too, Michael Kopech is still developing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not the, the final product that you're going to see for the end of his career or from now until the end of his career. This is a guy who obviously, and it's even more so in the last week or so, uh, is going to play a gigantic role for the 2022 20, White Sox. 
But as Rick Hahn said all the way back at the GM meetings, part of Michael Kopech's to-do list, let's call it, in 2022 is to get ready for 2023 and beyond. And so the White Sox are balancing both the present in which they need him, boy, they need him, Mm -hmm. because that that rotation has taken so many hits, but they definitely need him starting next year and beyond too, and they need him to be – you know, that Cease Giolito-level guy starting next year. And so this year, he can spend the year growing from where he is right now to get to where they need him to be, not just at the end of this year for what they hope is a World Series run, but for the World Series runs they hope to make in the future as well. Right, Herb, what would you give the grade today for Kopech? Uh, you know, four innings, uh, I think, you know, very important that he is still growing. Uh, you know, two spring training starts. And like Vinny says, it's not just about 2022, it's about 2023. Uh, a little bit concerning seeing so in the fourth Ending his velocity dipped down. He was able to hit 95 once, but a lot of you know his average uh, in that inning velocity-wise was around 93. So he started dipping off, started falling off a little bit in the fourth there, but still four effective innings. I'm going to go with the C for him just because I expect so much more from him. It's a Tiger real lineup. That's the everyday pretty much Tiger lineup. Mm-hmm. So he did well for what that is. But like you said, he was slowing down in the third and fourth innings. And Hopefully that's just I'm tired, not I have something wrong with my arm. Right. So getting through four, it was more than I expected. So I'm going to give him a C, but I expect more from a starter. I'm grading him on like a curve because, you know, I know his situation. But if I if anybody else came into a game just pitching four innings, I was like, no, that's a fail. You failed to do your job getting at least to five innings. But knowing the situation, I'll give him a C and hopefully the next start Restrictions are a little less, and then he pitches like he pitched today, a little bit more refined, finds that curveball earlier in his uh, repertoire because you pointed out, like, in the first and second inning, you're like, he's not using his curveball. And maybe the Detroit air, he didn't feel the grip mm-hmm. for it and didn't want to leave anything hanging. Like, he was barely throwing a slider, too, yeah. early. So, I, you know, those things will come when he gets the feel. And like Vinny said, he's still a project. He's still a guy that really hasn't started a lot in his career. What the last start in 2019? Mm-hmm. I mean, really? Like he started as a last member of the rotation. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, like that is not a real uh, starting rotation right now. He will be a finished product, I think, by the end of 2023. Where we're going to 2024, we're like, we know what we got out of Michael Kopech. I think even next year will be kind of like this will be his first real, real starting year. This year, I think they're going to shut him down after a certain point when they hits. Uh, the innings limit he gets to because they're trying to preserve him for the long haul. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, looking back on his year in 2021, the starts that he did have uh, in April and May, uh, April 18th was his first start against Boston in a double header. He uh, went three innings, 41 pitches in that one. Mm-hmm. April 25th was his next start, five innings uh, against Texas. Uh, struck out 10, 87 pitches in that one. And then May 14th was his next one. Another uh, second head, uh, second of a double header against Kansas City. Four innings pitched on that one, five Ks, 65 strikeouts. So more like that uh, that, that Kansas City game, May 14th, was was the, like this game today. 69 pitches, uh, two hits allowed, uh, two walks given up. So, I mean, you know, we've seen this performance before from Michael Kopech. It's just about consistency. I mean, if this is his first start, he can build off of it like this. I mean, this is a good starting point. And something, too, he hasn't started which we obviously know, but Dylan Cease talked about this yesterday. I know you got the chance to talk to him. Uh, 
he, he mentioned about how he can now realize, you know, at bat from at bat, how to make adjustments, how, how he's learned how to make those adjustments by himself. I don't know if Kopech has been able to do that uh, so far, or if, if he's learned how to do that from a starting perspective. Well, look, at we're, we're seeing it kind of uh, go, it, it might seem a little slow motion for people who've been watching this team for so long, but that was the big thing with Lucas Giolito, right? It was when things go wrong in an inning, how can you get out of it? And, and so many times in 2018, when he was the worst pitcher in baseball, <laughs> um, he wasn't able to get out of it, right? And, and, and we saw him getting pulled out of games in the second and third inning because he had given up six runs already. And then the thing that he learned how to do was how to make the adjustment in the moment or, mm. or, or not even make the adjustment as so much as, you know, re recalibrate back right. to where you just were. That's the thing really that's been with Dylan Cease, and that's what he told me at spring training, was that it's more so about, oh, man, I just walked a guy. How do I get back to where I was the batter before when I struck out four guys in a row? You know, mm -hmm. and, and I think we saw him do a little bit of that yesterday or yesterday's game, uh, and so maybe now. You know, we'll see if Michael Kopech ends up getting in similar situations, but maybe that's a step that he'll need to take at some point as well, and maybe it's that thing more so than some sort of mechanical thing or something like that that clicks for these pitchers along the way, and it's less, you know, to borrow a phrase that, that Team Brass uses a lot and people around baseball use a lot, they become more of a pitcher and mm -hmm. less of a thrower. Well, and that's the yeah. thing, too, that I think Kopech, kind of figured out in the fourth inning was he got out of it using only 10 pitches and he wasn't th using, you know, 97, 98. He wasn't ratching up really high. He was just being efficient with his, his balls and he was being more of a pitcher. He was making sure it was the right location to these hitters and got an efficient quick three out. So that's what he needed to do in that moment. And he did it for himself, which is a good sign to see, especially when he didn't have his best stuff at that time. So it was good to see that from uh, Michael Kopech. We also saw Tarek Skubal for the Detroit Tigers. The White Sox were able to score five runs off Skubal. Let's take you through the run recap. Tim Anderson is back in the lineup for the White Sox. Yes. He pulled a first pitch fastball for a double. Then a 105 mile per hour single for Luis Robert moved Anderson to third base. An Abreu ground out scored Anderson. Robert moved to third. Then Aloy fouled out down the right field line. Grossman's throw in foul territory was late and Robert scored. The end up in the first inning up 2 nothing. Bottom of the second, Kopech walked Cabrera. After Scope flew out to center field, Victor Reyes worked a nine-pitch at bat. Seven of Kopech's nine pitches to Reyes were fastballs. The seventh one Reyes saw, he blasted into right field for a triple. Scoring Cabrera, 109 miles per hour off the bat. Tigers cut the Sox lead to 2-1. Top of the third, how did the Sox respond, Herb? A Tim Anderson single. Oh. Uh, after Luis Robert hit a grounder to third base, the Tigers weren't able to turn the double play, which Jose Abreu took advantage of. He drives in his first run, and he inside out at a 1-0 fastball. Robert went from first to third. Sox take a 3-1 lead, but they're not done yet. Aloy walked. Vaughn flied out to right field, and Abreu advanced to third base on the sacrifice from Vaughn. Two outs, Abreu on third, Aloy on first. Josh Harrison ripped one down the third baseline. Candelario could not handle it. Abreu scores. <laughs> Sox end the third up three, or uh, end the third up four to one. And then top of the fourth, Reese McGuire reaches base on an Javi Baez air. Danny Mendick is up next, and he slapped a double down the left field line. McGuire just poetic, uh, I, I mean, even majestic, running around from first to third. Uh, Herb's giving him a hand. Uh, from first <laughs> to third, uh, chugging along, very 108-ing uh, by Reese McGuire. He scores 5-1, and then the seventh, the Sox extend their lead. T.A. continues being T.A. with the leadoff double. Robert popped out. Abreu walked. First pitch to Eloy with Anderson and Abreu on first and second. He looped a single into center, scoring Anderson. Sox go up 6-1, but they're not 
done yet. Abreu on second, Eloy on first, and take your time getting around because on a 1-1 count, Andrew Vaughn hits a sky-high home run over the left field fence. His second home run and his third, fourth, and fifth RBIs of the season. Sox take a 9-1 lead, but then Andrew Vaughn not done. Top of the ninth, he drives in his sixth run of the series, and the Sox win 10-1. Vinny, we'll go to you first. Your click to pick was Tim Anderson. Three hits is not a bad way to start off, huh? I mean, I, listen, I said it on the pregame show. That was the easy pick. You could have seen this one coming a mile away. I mean, Tim Anderson is Tim Anderson. He was Tim Anderson today. Uh, you don't really even need to say much more than that. But a, a couple of doubles, uh, a base hit as well. I mean, this is what he does. This is the kind of thing. Listen, he was my preseason MVP pick, partly because he has games like this and they're ho-hum. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They're expected. This is the kind of thing that the White Sox, you know, thrive on his presence and that they did it today. I mean, look, they scored uh, four runs on Friday, scored five runs on Saturday. TA rejoins the lineup. They scored ten. Yeah, it's it's no it's it's no surprise. It's no secret. We know why, right? Tim Anderson is on pace to score three hundred and twenty-two runs this season. You know, very that's a lot. Yeah, and it's you know, it's, you know easily yes, uh, easily he'll, he'll do that. TA, uh, I mean, Vinny talked about it. You know, you, you see a little bit of a power outage, you see a little bit of a run issue, and then you know TA joins the lineup and you get ten runs. As I crucified the White Sox the other day for how they handled Eric Haas, Honus Haas, as Chris Tannehill says, Mm -hmm. and Javi Baez by throwing him 10 fastballs, 10 damn fastballs to those people. How do you have a game plan? You're going against Tim Anderson. You know him, Tarek Skubal. Skubal. It's a Skubal. You know this guy more than anybody in your career. He has gotten hits out of, what, four out of his five games he's led off? And there have been extra base hits. He leads them off with a middle-middle fastball. What's the game plan? What's the scouting report? <laughs> Maybe that wasn't the game plan. Maybe that was just a, a screw-up on pitch one. But, dumb. Yeah. Like, we all knew that Tim was swinging at that first pitch. We uh, When we saw the doubles, like, yeah, Tim Anderson. That Detroit pitching staff and the coaches need to be reprimanded for throwing a fastball first pitch to Tim Anderson. He is Tim Anderson, as Vinny said. Unbelievable game, and that 10-to-1 score is not a mistake. That's not by happenstance. That is what Tim does. That team is ignited by Tim Anderson, the Mm -hmm. straw that stirs the drink. He's an awesome player. Like, I just marvel at his growth every single year. He just keeps on getting better every year. And you talk about first pitch uh, strikes uh, for Tim Anderson. Like, since 2018, that was at 63.7%. Then it went down to 62. Then it went up to 62.9. Then it went up to 64.8. So it feels like even though he's growing, people aren't learning just to avoid throwing, you know, fastball right down the middle, start I, off the game. I mean, listen, what what made Tim Anderson Tim Anderson? He, he got aggressive, right? I mean, right. what turned him into a batting champion was he switched his approach up to being an aggressive guy. Because he just said, you know what, that's me. I'm not going to walk, so I'm just going to go up there swinging, and I'm going to take singles the other the other way, and I'm going to get a whole bunch of them, and I'm going to win a batting title. That's what he did. And, you know, that's that's been his game ever since he made that transformation, and it's working so well for the White Sox. And, uh, Clark, that's added to the broadcast, right? Talk that shit, Nicholas. That's right, Nick. You know our guy from CHGO. Where are Bears. those? Where's, the, where's those Tiger fans? Yeah, our they CHGO were, Bears uh, host, Nicholas Moriano. Uh, where where are all those Tiger fans? They were chirping the other day on Friday night. Loud oh, on Friday, goodness. man. They're real quiet after a ten-one loss. Where they at though? 
I'm yeah, looking. I can't find them. Thanks for pointing that out, Nick. Uh, last year, Tim Anderson on first pitches, uh, 383, 379, 670. So uh, that will play. He's got a lower on pace than his actual at bat. That's yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess because. Uh, no walks. How out. is that even possible? I have no idea. <laughs> no, no walks, uh, no hit by pitches. Oh, sacrifice fly. So maybe okay. the sacrifice fly doesn't, doesn't count, count towards. A, a bat. Yeah. It's not an at bat. Not yeah, it's bat. not an at bat, so it doesn't affect your it's OBP. It's a plate appearance. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, All but right. that's 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 but, an amazing stat. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> thir- thirty six hits uh, on, on the first pitch last year in twenty twenty one. I don't know why people aren't learning. And then, again, sixty four percent first pitch strike to Tim Anderson. It makes no sense. Uh, what what the scouting report uh, for for these players going up against uh, and Tim Anderson? Maybe is. just maybe teams are afraid of the people behind him, which they should be. But also, do not start that man with a strike right down the pipe. Come on now. He's not going to walk. No. He's not going to walk. And that's why I told you when we were doing the pregame show, we were doing the betting, you told them too. I mean, you said yeah. four total bases for Tim Anderson. I said two hits. Both of them hit. Five total bases Easily. for Tim Anderson. Three hits for Tim Anderson. So both of those cash. And if you were listening, you know that the best place to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when, when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. That's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. PointsBet is your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better introducing PointsBet's newest feature, the live NBA same-game parlays. For the first time ever, you can build the perfect live NBA same-game parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game and if you want more you can boost your live same game parlay you can watch live parlay live and boost live with points bet and that is my favorite feature of the points bet app where you can boost your odds once a day online sign up is available in illinois you can download the points bet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone so what are you waiting for you are getting a great deal and great picks i mean we're, we just i went three for three today i Herb, went two for three you went two for three and you went, i didn't hit a home run you went big i mean those home run props are, are, are tricky i should just you know Ride yeah. Andrew Vaughn because clearly he's going. You know, if you would have went with my plus line. nine, you would have got some money. Got cashed go. out, guys. I wasn't here for the pregame, of course, but I logged in to watch, and my points bet bank right now is roughly uh, about thirty five dollars richer than it was this Whoa. morning. So thank you very much. You're thank welcome, you so man. much, guys. And, and feel free to buy us lunch tomorrow. We'd oh, appreciate yeah. it. So what are you waiting I'm, for? I'm busy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Once the game sign, starts, sign that check Don't just me. bet. Live your bet life with points bet and CHGO gambling problem call one hundred five two two. Four seven zero zero. All right, let's go back to the uh, the Sox offensive output ten to one. Uh, I had Adam Engel as a, a, a click to pick. He had a double, uh, which was nice to see. Danny Mendick had a double. We saw Reese McGuire get on base a couple times, uh, but Aloy Jimenez was good in this game. Luis Robert continues to hit. Jose Abreu continues to hit. I mean, right now, if you're looking at this Sox lineup, what's the weakest part? I mean, the weakest part is like the fact that there are two starters out. With injury, okay. but other than that, they're they're continuing to hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you you talk about Yohan Moncada's hurt. Okay, you slide Josh Harrison over to the third base. He gets on base. You talked about Danny Mendick, who's subbing in at second base. You know, and and he gets a, an RBI hit. So I don't you know want to go uh, out here and say that Danny Mendick's going to give you the same number of problems that Yohan Moncada <laughs> is going to give you. But my point being that you know this lineup is absolutely stacked, and even when you take Yoan Moncada out of it and A.J. Pollock out of it, 
you're still looking at a lineup that can score 10 runs. And and that's what the White Sox did today. And as as important as Tim as Tim Anderson, Tim McGuire was about to combine him there. Uh, as uh, <laughs> as, as yeah, as important <laughs> as important as Tim Anderson is at the top of the lineup, there's eight other spots in that lineup too, and most of them are are going to give you just as much problems. Our guy Connor says he uh, he thinks we want to thank him for getting us Reese McGuire. Connor, did you have a hand in that? Mm. I mean, you're sorry. Yeah, yeah sorry. sorry. I mean, I you're, you're you're welcome for Zach Collins, and uh, you know, uh, so many good jokes that we can't tell right now. I mean, we theoretically we could. We could. I just, I, oh, I'm not just great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I I don't want to get into it. Uh, the Dash Law says Clark's giving you competition for your best dash. He's got a real good one, and I think the the, the point it's is more handle bargain. It's not competition. It's no. a stash team here that we've got going between Clark, Absolutely. myself. We got yeah. Matt Peck. I mean, this is this is, we're building. We're we're about we're getting close to a starting five. And Herb's got a, like a real one. No, not yeah, really. Mine. I don't really do anything for my beard and or mustache. I just let the barber line it up every once in a while. Once it gets wrecked, it's over until I get another <laughs> uh, a haircut. So yeah, I'm not part of the crew. I wish I was. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm just lazy. But looking at this lineup, looking at how they performed this Sunday, I mean, I, I said that before the se- uh, series, the Sox would would sweep. And you look at these games, the Sox should have won on Friday. They closed out on Saturday. They dominated on Sunday. Uh, I like the progression from this team, and it really felt like a World Series lineup, at least World Series caliber lineup today. When you have these subs coming in, you don't have one of your best hitters in Yasmani Grandal, and the team picks it up one through nine. I mean, it, there was not a weak spot on today's lineup. This is the thing that we will probably not have a full White Sox lineup until Yoan Moncada comes back, and three of the regular starters were out with Grandal, Pollock, and Yoan Moncada, that offense still did that. And that's a Tariq Skubal, a Tarek Skubal, that's supposed to be ascending this year. And they treated him like they always treat him, like a stepchild. Well, and it's good to see the White Sox dominate left-handed pitching. Like, we saw that in 2020. 2021, they weren't as dominant, but they were still very, very good. It's good to see that continue on Friday and Saturday, or Friday and Sunday. Yeah, they also have a nice little history of hitting the snot out of the Detroit Tigers, <laughs> and uh, they continue doing that. I mean, you look at those career numbers, or, or even just the recent numbers, of guys like Anderson and Abreu, and I mean, they're on another planet when they face the Tigers. So, uh, you know, we talked about Dylan Cease pitching dominance against Detroit. There's some guys in this lineup who just mash whenever they see that old English D. Yeah, and the White Sox just pitching dominated the past two days. I mean, you know, uh, Aaron Bummer ran into a little bit of trouble uh, yesterday, but got out of it with three straight strikeouts, and now he lost Thor's uh, hammer as Tanner Banks strikes out the side. One day he had it, but Tanner Banks uh, proved his worthiness uh, this afternoon. And you had a stat about Tanner Banks that he broke a White Sox record, tied a White Sox record Uh, with his debut? He's the first White Sox relief pitcher to have four Ks in his major league debut for the Chicago White Sox since 2013 when it was uh, Simone Castro who struck out four for the White Sox in relief. Raven Simone Castro. Raven (laughs) Simone Castro. That is so Raven. (laughs) Uh, so, you know, it, it was really great to see this performance from the Sox, uh, pitching, hitting, domination uh, from the Sox, and it was great to see uh, them bounce back. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it, I really loved the performance that you saw after they bounced back and ha- have that game that they gave away on Friday. So uh, good to see. Biggest uh, star of the, the, the weekend for the Sox 
hitting-wise? Is it Tim Anderson because of the great day? Andrew Vaughn driving in six runs. Eloy had a nice series. Yeah, I think Robert, too. I mean, Robert, I think, has a batting average over 500. I think it's got to be Vaughn, right? I mean, yes. I think and, – and I think the way that he did it, right? I mean, the, the thing that we saw on Friday from him was so impressive. You know, Liam Hendricks goes out there and, and, and the bullpen kind of falters and blows the save in the eighth inning. And Andrew Vaughn's like, yeah, no biggie. Yeah. Just goes out there and hits a go-ahead home run. Obviously, it didn't work out for them in the end, but uh, for him to go out and do that, that's an impressive thing from an approach standpoint, from a mental approach standpoint. Uh, and then today, obviously, with the home run, um, and to have it come on the day where he's you know mentioned in a, in right. a trade rumor kind of thing, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, this is the guy. This is the guy that the White Sox thought he was going to be. Uh, and if he can keep doing this all year long, I mean, you're talking about the middle of the order guy that they're that that, that they've long envisioned. Uh, what was wrong with Jose Abreu? Someone, so David uh, Rocca says, I hope Pito is okay. If he is, then thankfully we have our first day without an injury. Go Sox. I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything with him, and he didn't leave the game in the first uh, in the ninth inning, so yeah, I mean, he, he was, finished the game. I mean, we're doing this broadcast, so we don't know, you know what happened post-game, if Twitter's a buzz with something, but I have not seen anything that uh, Jose Abreu was out, left the game with an injury or anything like that. But Andrew Vaughn, what a revelation. He's a great, great hitter. Um and he can hit right-handers. Who knew? I knew. I told you this. From June 15th to August 19th, he had a rated runs created plus. Uh, 100 is the average for the major leagues. Uh, he had a rated runs created plus of 124 against right-handers uh, for about a month there. So, I mean, he was able to dominate left-handed pitchers from the get-go in the major leagues. And then from June to August, he started figuring out right-handers, and he continues to dominate right-handers. No, and David says he sounded angry painful when he slid to home he was just joking oh. you know we he didn't need to slide he was just doing that you know being goofy enjoying his teammates yeah, yeah. come on we remember uh You're during me david remember during the 2020 season when he's around in third base and uh gives the big scream yeah. uh, coming around with the big <laughs> smile on his face come on where do you think where do you think all these young guys get their get their silliness from uh from from the mentor the right from... pito's the leader here but uh andrew vaughn absolutely showing up in the first series i think we have the quote from the bob nightingale usa today piece uh Ugh. if possible but uh, earlier today it was said that the uh the white Sox or the a's were interested in andrew vaughn uh this is from bob nightingale the chicago white Sox, who nearly acquired chamania of the oakland a's before he was traded at the san diego padres would love to now grab a's ace frankie montas but they refused to give up outfielder Andrew Vaughn, who the A's are demanding in return. Demand all you want, kids. Right. He's not going a damn place. The only player that the White Sox, I believe, will trade him for is Shohei Itani. That's the only player that <laughs> I would be happy with. It. Mike Trout? No, it. Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? It. <laughs> uh, it. Yeah, no, I would I would take Robert over Guerrero. Just because not Robert, Vaughn. You oh, Vaughn oh, yeah. oh, I would like take Guerrero over Vaughn. Come on. I mean, I'm not stupid. That's that's a generational talent. That's a generational <laughs> talent right there. So I know Andrew, I, I'm on Andrew Vaughn being a generational talent too, but uh, yeah. uh, Vladimir Guerrero is already doing the damn thing, and I think he's younger still. So um, I'll, I'll take I'll take Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think uh, if, if Rick Hahn sees David Forst's uh, phone, uh, you know, his phone lighting up, and David Forst is calling him the, the general manager of the Oakland A's, uh, that's a quick decline because after what Andrew Vaughn has done, uh, there is no reason that Andrew Vaughn should not be the DH for the White Sox every single day a left-handed pitcher is on the mound. I know some people were upset that even on Saturday he didn't get a start. Gavin Sheets needs some at-bats. He, he can't does. just rot on the bench. He does, people. but not in the expense of Andrew Vaughn not playing more it's, games. It's one game. I, I understand that they got to get him into games, but if we're doing the platoon thing, I there's much more right-handers in the league than left-handers, and that would leave Andrew Vaughn with less at-bats than Gavin Sheets. No. Right. Gavin Sheets is good. Andrew Vaughn 
might be next level. Right, but the platoon thing more about you know the the the, the splits, the actual left-handed, right-handed thing. I mean, I I we, we again, Vaughn showed that he can hit right-handers, uh, but you know if if Sheets is getting more playing time over him, I really can't be that upset because oh, Sheets no. is that young. Nope. Sheets was killing right-handed pitching. Nope. He is still a better option right now nope. against right-handed pitching uh, than Vaughn is. It, I would just be more upset if like Adam Engel is playing over Andrew Vaughn uh, in right field or or Leary Garcia is playing over Andrew Vaughn in right field just because that bat is proving to be needed. This is this is baseball. Nobody's playing 162 yeah, games, right. you know what I mean? So, yeah, listen, well, you're going to see plenty of Andrew Vaughn, not to worry about it. They think he's a future middle-of-the-order bat. And listen, if this lineup wasn't so good, he'd be a middle-of-the-order bat already. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the, the, the point is that you're going to see guys get days off. I mean, you just mentioned Yasmani Grandal, one of the best bats on the team, didn't play today. And they still scored 10 runs. Well, and Andrew Vaughn, somebody who never played over 100 games in a season in his career, uh, who at Cal, uh, who we just learned today from the NBC Sports Chicago broadcast, played 160 games at Cal and had a batting average of 397 and an on-base percentage of 500, which is normal. Uh, But last year, he played the third most games for the White Sox, 127 games, and we saw how he broke down after August 19th. If the White Sox want to take it slow with Andrew Vaughn and they want to rest him and they want to give him some days off, I am fine with it because clearly when he plays, I mean, it was only one day off, he seems to be unaffected. I think that his bat plays. I think that we can finally say that this guy can hit major league pitching. I mean, he didn't really get the day off because A.J. Pollock got hurt, and then Andrew Vaughn goes in the game and delivers an RBI yesterday. Mm -hmm. Three RBIs, at least an RBI in each of the first first three games, him and Aloy, right? Yeah, first time since 2000. This is from Chris Kampka in the opening series that – Two White Sox outfielders, or maybe just two White Sox players, uh, had an RBI in each of the first three games, uh, dating back. The outfielders were Carlos uh, Lee and Chris Singleton. So uh, elite company, Andrew Vaughn and Eloy Jimenez, are joining today. All right, let's move into, well, uh, we got a little bit more time here because uh, in this segment, we'll, we'll wait for the points bet read. We'll, we'll talk about points bet in just a little bit. Uh, we want to talk about Lucas Giolito in a little bit too, his injury. Uh, but one thing that was brought up, and this is in the favorite comments, uh, Clark, I, I saw you put this one away. I want to bring this up. Uh, we saw a little incident in the outfield since we're talking about Robert oh. and Aloy here. Uh, this is from Patrick Mason. What do you guys think about Aloy and Robert colliding in the outfield yet again? Herb, you have the uh, the, the, the loud reaction. Uh, oh. what, what are your thoughts? It looks like you need an Excedrin. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> they won 10 to 1, Herb. I understand that. and But like... It's just I I, get I don't it. like I, I'm not out there. I don't know if Luis is calling him off, but there needs to be a clear declaration by Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, Jerry Reinsdorf if need be, Tony LaRusa, every coach, every manager. Aloy, we love you, man. Man, left field, your bat plays. If you need to go more than five steps to your left, don't. Just stop. If it falls in, like you were mad the other day on Friday that he let a couple yeah. balls in front of him, and Vinny said, like, that's what they want to do, and that, I'm fine with them. Let balls drop in front of you. Play way far. Let balls drop in front of you. At least you're in the lineup. The last thing, like, you're important. That man to your left is much more important. Yes. So what we need you to do is notice that if you ever go more f- steps than five, stop. Let Luis take whatever he can get. And if it drops in, it drops in. I don't give a damn. But do not come within 10 feet of Luis Robert while you're out there. You're a tank. So is he. But both of you guys can get hurt, and I think he will probably take the brunt of it. We will not stand for it. We will not stand for you doing this again. It's not funny. It's not cute. It's not anything. It's, it's mismanagement. It's mishandling. 
what you're doing is maybe costing us games eventually. He's not hurt right now. Luis is not hurt, but I could see that happening in the future. He's gotten hurt multiple times in the outfield by running to people, running into walls, running into fences, running into netting. Stop it. Yeah. Well, and the weird thing about today too is that like we've gotten so we've gotten so used to the the joke, which is kind of true. Luis Robert can play all three positions at once, mm-hmm. and he's so good that it sometimes seems like that's not that much of a joke. I don't know why Aloy was in center field today. Like, what was he doing on that play being all the way out there? Right. Um, people like to point to a communication breakdown, and I'm sure that's that has something to do with it. But you're right. I mean, it's an awareness thing. You know what I mean? You don't go planting your foot in the outfield wall when there's a laser beam home run going over you know, going over the fence. You don't try to do, you know, a, a slam dunk contest move, you know, in, in a spring training game. And you shouldn't be drifting over into center field when you not. I mean, I don't care if the guy's a gold glover or not, right? Yeah. Like, you're just out of position at, at, at some point. And I understand, you know, you got to back him up and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, listen, he's going to stay a left fielder. He's going he's gonna to keep practicing at it. Give the guy credit for a desire for knowing maybe what's best for his bat too. You know, we talk so often about how hard it is to DH and, and maybe they're saving his bat by letting him play in left field. Um, but, you know, you're going to keep seeing it, it seems like, because it, it, we can't go very long without seeing one of these kinds of plays from Aloy. So um, it's just about continued coaching, and it's just about making sure that he doesn't make the kind of mistakes that end in an injury for either himself or somebody else. And I do wonder what the communication was like out there. Unfortunately, we don't have outfield mics just yet. Uh, we don't have the ability to pick up their conversation, but we did see a play in, I forget which inning it was, but there was a pop-up near the catcher, kind of you know in the middle of the third base and, and catcher line, and you could hear, because the mics were so close, Josh Harrison clearly calling off Reese McGuire, and both of those guys have much more uh, playing time in, in the MLB uh, than you know Robert and Jimenez, so maybe just the communication isn't there just yet, but it needs to get better. Uh, this this can't be happening. You're right, Herb. Like It was cute to make it into a little bobblehead and make it a little novelty. You know, yes, Robert's a, a gold glover, but if this happens again, and Robert or Eloy goes down I mean we have big issues on the south side and, and you know this little minor stuff especially late in games like the seventh and eighth inning this is not when this stuff can be happening uh it's and, and I'm frustrated with Aloy's defense in left field uh it doesn't feel like he's being you know super aggressive which is fine I understand you're trying to avoid injury but at what point does this start hurting the team it hasn't yet and I'm not I'm not saying it has but it's just concerning it, it feels like a concerning thing that we keep seeing I've seen it in three straight games now uh, that, you know, he's either misplayed some balls, been just a little bit not aggressive on balls. Some balls, if he was just running a little bit faster, he could have caught up to and gotten out. So I just I, feel that's that what I want him to do. Right. I just, I just feel like Relax. he's, he's not right. I think you've got, you've got to, you've got to pick your complaint. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, seriously, yeah. you've got to, you can't have him. You can't, he's not going to turn into a, uh, a gold glove left fielder overnight. So you got to say, what is the best way to handle it? Do you want him to do what Herb was applauding a second ago, the, the, what seems to be the White Sox approach of keep your heels on the warning track, and if anything jumps, drops in front of you, at least you're not injured? Or do you want him to go diving for balls in left field, and then you don't know what the outcome is? Yeah, I, I don't want him diving, so I'm sorry if I was making that feel like a point that I was trying to make, but it just feels like maybe, maybe aggressive is the wrong word, but it just feels so tentative that it doesn't feel – like he's he's learned I guess and it's I wouldn't just... be surprised though if all that's going on in his head at the same time you know right. what I mean maybe he sees a ball and his athletic instinct is to go racing after it but then he's got you know echoes of Tony in his head saying you know 
take it easy, we don't want you diving, and all that stuff's going on while the ball is dropping from the sky. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily think that it's uh, an easy decision for him to make either. Um, it's just more coaching. you got to do more coaching. And yeah, I get yeah. it. The pride of a player feels like I'm a left fielder, and I improved last year. I caught more balls than people thought I could. I'm going to prove to these people that I'm an actual left fielder. Yeah, get that out of your head. Immediately get that out of your head. Let's stop letting your pride mess with you. Understand why you are valuable on this team. You're hitting. Right. You don't want to go to designated hitter. Cool. We'll keep you in left field. But these are the rules. You do not follow these rules. You will be relegated to over their designated hitter because we cannot lose either you or the center fielder, especially. We cannot. It is not acceptable for you to do what you did today. I know the results are they're both fine, but maybe one day it isn't. Right. And then we're both like, what the hell? And we're all like, what the hell happened? Well, and as Unprotected Sox says, a single dropping in front is better than a month on the IL. I agree. I, I absolutely agree and, and can, you know, see that point. But already he's, you know, minus one outs above average in left field. And it's, it's only on five keep, attempts. Keep, and I, keep I understand. Keep it going. <laughs> I, I know. But Get it as high as it can. At this point, when we're, we hear Andrew Vaughn and trade talks, like, I think I'd be you know, more willing to trade Aloy Jimenez just because he's not willing to go to a DH. He's not good in the field. Yes, his bat is fantastic, uh, but you know, I, I really do see him playing out as a DH in his career. I'm not saying that he's, we should trade him. He's fantastic. <laughs> and there's he's, no had, he's had an RBI in every single game so far. He is a fantastic player, but I'm just talking about the grand scheme of things. Like, you know, if this happens in August, you know, or you know, this happens in the postseason and, and Aloy lets, up, you know, leads, lets in a, a big run. We're fine. You know, I'm fine with that. I guess. I I'm know. fine with that. No one talks about Aloy being in a fielder. No one cares unless he's hurting somebody else. We care it about almost happened today, though. Aloy, I mean, that's why we're talking Aloy about. Aloy needs fifty home runs. That's it for me. And he needs to be in the lineup to do fifty home runs. And you do dumb plays like that, you will be out of the lineup, and you'll be hurting our team much more than letting a ball drop in front of you or something like that. I don't. It sounds res, like I'm resigned to the fact that the White Sox are not going to move him, and he's probably not going to change. But somebody needs to make sure that they tell him like that's not joking. We're not joking when we say, just let balls drop in front of you. We don't give a damn. Your value is your bat. Yeah. I, his value is his bat. His value isn't his glove. So, it. like, I come, come to the postseason, like, should we be having his glove out there? I, I, I know well, if this it, is very, if very it, far if that's away. What's, but, if that's what's but, best for his bat. Yes. I think that, I, that I guess, that's but, a thing. I think that he believes, and it's a mental thing, that he will be the best Eloy that he is in the field. And then with the bat, and you've seen it. You've seen it with guys who are not, who are even good fielders. I mean, look at the transformation offensively that Yuan Moncada made when they moved him to third base. That's and true. we had Ricky Renneria telling us at the time that it was it was having a positive effect on his offense just because of the way he was involved in the game and thinking about the game, paying attention. There wasn't this chance to take any sort of any pitch off. You know what I mean? And we hear from a guy as accomplished at with a bat, as Jose Abreu, that he hates to DH for that very reason. And he's worked very hard to improve his de uh, defense over the course of time that he's been in the major leagues. So, listen, there's there's coaching that's going to need to keep happening. This can evolve from where it's at. I also think, too, it's it's the, it's the Nobody thinks about the plays in between these moments. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can you can when you talk about Aloy and his defense, the thing that everybody f remembers is the plays 
you know, that we've been talking about, the plays like you see today. Let's say he goes two weeks without making a play like that. Nobody's going to be like, you know what? Aloy's defense was fantastic for those two weeks or acceptable for those two weeks. Yeah, I think with the Abreu point that you make, Abreu has shown durability, which Aloy has not. And Aloy, uh, Abreu has shown improvement at first base, which I feel like Aloy has not. So I guess that's my where my gripes land. Because he showed a little Abreu in last year. Uh, Aloy did in left yeah. field. He was a, a serviceable left fielder where he wasn't getting himself hurt, and he made some plays, even though the one that he jumped up, and I was pissed at that one. <laughs> I was like, what are we doing? Stay, stay your ass on the ground. But that, but that led to a very funny moment, I thought. <laughs> Which one? The one where he's lying on the ground and he's oh, on the yeah, warning no, track yeah, and he throws the no. peace sign up. Yeah, with a bullpen behind yeah. him. I mean, it's, it's hard to be mad at him. Tony got him. mad he's, at him he's, for yeah, that. Yeah. And, well, and one thing, too, like Tony, Tony mentioned uh, spring training, uh, that if he hits over 300, there's no questions about him being in left field. So, And I, I'm fine with that. You know, If he's hitting 300 and he's driving in runs every single game, I, I, I won't have too many complaints about Aloy unless he takes out Luis Robert in center field. Vinny, you mentioned that, um, that Aloy, like, you alluded to him not DHing because it's hard. It's difficult. Is that the issue? Is that it's it's another difficult thing? Because a lot of people in the chat today are bringing that up. Why why can't he just be a DH now? It's not that he can't be a DH. A lot of guys do not like the life of a DH, which is you go up for one at bat and then you sit down and you think about it for the next three innings. The the thing and, and Jose Abreu, who won an MVP and is one of the best hitters in team history, has told us this repeatedly, which is he that being in the field allows you to put whatever happened in the at bat behind you and allows you to take your next at bat in the way that you want to approach it, which is as it's a brand new thing. Well, and something too that uh, about that, like you see Aloy make the last out, he catches it in left field and he immediately starts waving to the fans. So like you look at the, the demeanor between Andrew Vaughn and Aloy Jimenez, uh, Aloy being this very gregarious guy, this very personable guy, and Andrew Vaughn, as we talk about him, being the stone cold, like I'm going to do my job so he can go and think about all the at-bats that he had. He can be meticulous. He can be, you know, thinking about all these minor details, uh, Andrew Vaughn, uh, where Aloy, it feels like, you know, he needs that relief. Like, it doesn't feel like he likes to be burdened by a, a bad at-bat, which it, would make sense. And it's also that kind of whole athlete mentality thing, too, or wanting to contribute to your team. I mean, I think when we've talked to Eloy, or his his hope is that he can contribute in every single way possible and there might be kind of a well if my defense is not good enough I'm not doing I'm not giving everything that I can give to my teammates obviously it's very easy for us on the outside to look and say oh well they should do this just take him out of left field then you're not making any trouble in left field but that has a ripple effect up here that has to do with every other aspect of his game, which you do want him very much involved. It feels very much like the uh, Craig Kimbrell can't pitch in the uh, anything but the ninth inning uh, thing, but it may be a little bit more credence because you are playing so many times. You are having so many at-bats compared to where it's like 60 outings for a guy like Craig Kimbrell, where it's 100, you know, 600 plate appearances for Aloy Jimenez and hundreds of attempts in left field. Well, and here's the thing, too. It's all about what? It's all about putting your position or putting your players in the best position to succeed. If the best position for Aloy to succeed at the plate is to play left field every day, don't you owe it to your team to, to put him there so he can go and hit a bunch of home runs for you? Unless, unless his defense starts hurting the team. Like, but, which 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 I, I think it might at some point. But is it gonna hurt but do you think Aloy's defense would hurt the team four or five times a game? 
because his offense can help it four or five times. And that's fair. It's just, you know, will he make the big mistake like, you know, we saw in spring training or collide with Robert and make the big mistake? He does. He he, has. Right, right. But like, you know, he, he, you know, he makes up, but like you make up for your bat, like, you know, you you make up for your, in your bat with your bat in in this game. But if you take out Robert and he's goes to the IL and misses 10 games, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather you. You know, not driving right. a run, but AJ, <laughs> but AJ Pollock could go to the could potentially miss a bunch of time just from rounding first base. I mean, it's yeah. injuries happen. These are these are this is baseball. Injuries yeah. happen, and like John Phillips says, uh, Sox tied for first. So you know, we'll take that. We'll sure. always we'll always take the White Sox in first place. Uh, and I also want to mention too, uh, with the Moncada thing moving to third base, he also had a Gold Glove in the Cuban League at third base. So it wasn't like you know, Aloy has always been playing left field, and I don't know if Aloy has ever been good at left field. Where Moncada was good at third base, maybe going back to that position did help him out a little bit but I think there is some credence uh to Aloy playing the outfield and and, and being in that lineup uh, mentally so we'll see if that plays out and how it plays out too uh with this defense as long as this doesn't happen again maybe it's just one little accident uh between Aloy and, and Robert in 2022 so uh fingers crossed on that and we'll see how that storyline develops if you enjoy CHGO one way to help us continue to grow is to download the points bet app and use code CHGO when you sign up not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars but if you make a fifty dollar or more first time deposit you'll receive a free CHGO membership which unlocks all of our web content and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the chgo locker if you have any questions you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we will help you out and in case you missed it online signup is available in illinois you can download the points bet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone you'll be signing up with the fastest sports book easier than ever so you could start living your bet life in seconds so what are you waiting for once the game starts, don't just bet. <laughs> Live your bet light with points bet. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. I'm choking on air. I thought uh, we were going to have to call in the reliever yeah. for uh, to finish that uh, ad read. You need to call Adam Ingle to play left field for me. Uh, you, you're oh, my guy you? Tanner Banks. You can, yeah. can oh. call for the righty. Yeah, yeah. well, he's, he's a lefty. He's a lefty. Just so, like yeah. me. Uh, Mike's like wondering a, what you guys are having for dinner. Uh, Michael's Pizza. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's the a good fiance. Spot. Fiance ordered already, so it'll be nice and warm when I go home. Nice. Herb, it's I'm been a minute since I've been there. That place is fantastic. Real smooth, real smooth. They, I thought they didn't deliver or did the pizza doesn't travel well, but I've had it since. It's fine. It's it's better <laughs> in the restaurant. Let's say that. Uh, that's the same with Vito Nicks. I don't know what I'm doing tonight, but uh, Vito Nicks is better in the restaurant. And uh, I just want to bring up too before we get too much into dinner talk that uh, CHGO is what you're watching. You're watching the CHGO White Sox post game show. This is not only a live stream on YouTube with all your your chats coming in and Mike asking you what's for dinner. Uh, it's also a podcast. So we got pre and post game shows for you live on YouTube and podcasts every single day. All of that content is free from CHGO. We want you to be in these post-game shows, in the pre-game shows, listening to the podcast, taking those in for free. But if you want to become a member, if you want to become a part of CHGO, what we're doing here, you can go to allchgo.com and become a member. You get premium written content from guys like Vinny Duber. Look at him. Hey, uh, if you want an article about the White Sox bullpen and learn a little bit more about uh, Thor's hammer that they're passing around in the bullpen after someone strikes out the side, you can go read Vinny's work if you're a member at All chgo.com and we have a special thing which i don't know if we can announce yet but we got something today in the slack and eyes emoji emoji. that is not my thing oh my jesus so just for that wait there is there is a big announcement coming and mercy it is huge what i will say is for what we've been told about this brand chgo and wanting to be 
of the people. And, and, you know, since we're, you know, Herb and I are White Sox fans, Vinny's been covering this team and been around this team his whole life. We want to be able to relate with you. Uh, and the news that we got uh, not only uh, will relate to you, but it's just, it, it hits home in many different assets. And it's a uh, very, very exciting news. I, I feel like I'm giving away too much. Anyways, uh, allchjo.com. If you become a member, you get premium written content, dope merch for all teams, uh, which will give you a free shirt when you become a member. So we got dope merch for every single team. I know uh, a lot of people are getting their CHGO White Sox shirt. Uh, it has the Brawler sock, if you see it down on the bottom right there. Uh, we're excited to have those shirts be shipping out. So if you want to get, become a member, read all the premium written content, get a free shirt when you become a member, and join our members-only Discord, the CHGO Lounge. You can go to allchgo.com. And for those members who are members at allchgo.com and are in the CHGO Lounge, shirts right there. we are having a Monday mailbag episode tomorrow so go to the discord the chgo lounge and get in your questions we'll try to fill up the show tomorrow with as many questions as possible for our members so all chgo.com is how you become a member and get your questions in for tomorrow's monday mailbag and as Kark is showing you there's all the dope merch uh my favorite one i think is the chgo script one that red one but i don't like wearing red so i'm gonna skip on that one but i you really the like thing the thing against wearing red the whole huh? script yeah i just don't think it goes well with my skin tone hmm. uh, i'm very pinkish as it is so okay. i don't think red goes well uh with with how uh, white and pale and pink i am but uh that's the irish skin for you uh anyways let's uh wrap this up with some little lucas giolito talk uh lucas giolito left the game on friday with some abdominal strain in his left side uh he said he feels all right, and then Tony Larusa said after the game on Sat or before the game on Saturday that he'll probably go to the ten uh, day IL. And then after the game, he said, said that before the game started that he's definitely going to the IL. Yeah, well, what do you say? I mean, yeah, I think he there. said he definitely listen, going. Yeah, listen. let's get from the horse's mouth. <laughs> I'm the horse now, of course. Um, <laughs> L- Lucas is going to go on the IL. Uh, that's what Tony Larusa told us yesterday in Detroit. Uh, the optimistic outlook is that he will miss two starts which, of course, you have to keep in mind that uh, that means there's a pessimistic outlook in which it would uh, uh, last longer. But right now they're hoping that two is all they have to fill. Um, Lucas kept calling it a weird injury, a freak injury, a strange injury, said that it does not happen to baseball players very often. It must be something that happens when you make movements in a different sort of sport, let's say. Uh, But, yeah, this is something that I think Lucas felt a little better about after a day. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that they're going to be without him for a little bit. And the effect of that is obviously more concerning than what the actual injury is, I, in, in my opinion, just because they're already down Lance Lynn. Now they're going to be down Lucas for a little bit also, and they need to figure out a way to keep this pitching staff afloat without the guys at the top two guys of your rotation. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that it's not a baseball injury. Uh, MyClevelandClinic.org uh, says it's typically a football and tennis uh, injury. They're prone to that injury. Uh, anyone can strain their abdominal muscles, but it's a, a strained, pulled stomach muscle, uh, and it's often an overuse injury. So that's a little bit concerning, the fact that he might be a little bit overused. But maybe that's with the, the, the quick ramp up here, if, Herb. If you recall on our postgame show on Friday, we had Rick Giolito join us in the postgame, not, you know, via video, but he was in the chat and he was, he seemed, he didn't say specifically, but his attitude seemed as if that Lucas, he wasn't worried about Lucas. He said the White Sox will be okay. He'll be fine. And so I'm going to go off of his lead. He's, he knows his son. Tony didn't seem too overly concerned. Two starts for what that is. That doesn't concern me too much. Yeah, he's out, and it, uh, adding on top of that of the Lance Lynn injury, it's daunting. But we can see this team's going to hit. If they can just do this, stem the tie for Lucas' two starts, if it's only that, 
cool. They can be uh, a fine team still. The, the the goals are still in front of them, even though it seemed bleak on Friday after the loss, the injury, and everything piling on. But now we've calmed down. We've come two out of three versus Detroit. We see Tanner Banks, who might be given an opportunity to pitch uh, some innings with the White Sox. He looks nice. Yeah, it would be better if having Lucas out there throwing yeah. well and not having a weird injury. But I'm not too concerned with his injury in particular and the White Sox future going this year. Yeah, I wouldn't buy in too much to Tanner Banks, but a very nice showing. He was very great with his location. He was putting pitches in the right spot. And and a great story. His, yeah, a great story. 30 years old, uh, was a, a senior sign in 2014 and worked his way up through uh, the, the minor league. So it's great to see him have the debut that he has. But uh, a fantastic location uh, from Tanner Banks. If he keeps that up, he can be effective. And I mean, listen, what they need with Lance and Lucas out is innings. And, and Banks is a guy who has a starting past in the minor leagues. That's maybe what they can get out of him, and I think that's why maybe there's some focus going toward him, not necessarily for how terrific he looked today, but just because he's a guy who you could start a game and say, maybe we get through three, four innings with, with what he can give you. Um, it, it sounds like this Mariners series is when they're going to need these arms. Vince Velasquez is starting the home opener mm-hmm. on Tuesday. Dallas Keuchel's going Wednesday and reading some tweets during the show here from from the writers who are still out in Detroit. It looks like uh, Dylan Cease will not be brought back, or it's unlikely that he would be brought back on regular rest, that four-day rest, uh, because it seems like the White Sox had this all planned out to kind of buy these guys a day uh, with the off day built in. So hmm. uh, it looks like that Thursday game is is the next time they're going to need a starting pitcher. Yeah, which is interesting. Maybe they'll use uh, Reynaldo Lopez. I think at that point he'll have five days of rest. Yeah, but he Tony said today that until Joe Kelly comes back from the IL, they're probably going to keep Lopez in the bullpen. So wow. it, it's, it's a head-scratcher at the moment. Um, we'll find out in the coming days, but it looks like uh, you'll see um, Cease, Kopech, and Velasquez then uh, next weekend against the Rays. And from what I've seen, I don't think that Jimmy Lambert has made a start yet in Charlotte, so maybe that's who they call up for a spot start. Let's look at the next five because we will preview the Mariners series tomorrow on Monday's episode. Thankfully, they have the off day tomorrow. Uh, but the White Sox, you know, they'll have the off day on the 11th, but after that, they won't have an off day until the 25th. So a lot of continuous uh, straight games. They'll need the extra rest. They'll need all the starting pitchers that they can get. So let's... Go through the the week here. Uh, the twelfth they'll play the Mariners. Thirteenth they'll play the Mariners, and the fourteenth they'll play the Mariners. You already outlined Velasquez, Keuchel. You need a starter a for that mark. final one. Yeah, that's yeah, a, a question <laughs> mark on that one. But it feels like you could fill in Friday for for Dylan Cease here. Uh, so Herb, when you're looking at the way that this is scheduled out, it looks like you know Michael Kopech will probably pitch on that Saturday. Then uh, do they run Tanner Banks out there on Thursday? What's what's the possibilities if Ronaldo might not start? I mean, with the current roster as is constituted yeah maybe Tanner Banks but it's a quick turnaround for a person uh, that hasn't pitched in the major leagues ever first start our first uh, relief appearance here I wouldn't be too opposed to Tanner Banks giving a starter role more of an opener as we're facing the Tampa Bay Rays this weekend and that game in particular be the the Mariners which is a really fucking tough line oh (laughs) god it's like hey yeah kid here's your first major league start Here's the Seattle Mariners. Enjoy yourself. I think I think that's I think you're onto something there. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a bullpen day type situation. I think Tony did say uh, yesterday he was asked at least you know would you like to have a regular person filled uh, or a regular fill in for that rotation spot, however long Lucas is is sidelined for, or are you going to do the whole we'll wait and see how the games go and who we have available thing? And his answer was yes and yes. So you know. <laughs> 
One is the former perhaps considered a luxury, and the uh, the latter situation there may be more realistic. Maybe you just see any reliever that can give you one full inning or two full innings, uh, and, and you kind of build it out from there. But the the stress that this bullpen is under already, it, it, it's not it's not the ideal situation, that's for sure. Our guy who loves Moniker and Rachel, I mean, he's a former starting pitcher, and I know that Liam Hendricks will not turn down the opportunity to pitch. So maybe you know we could see him for two innings. Maybe he uh, closes. Maybe he it. closes Wednesday night and then starts Thursday. Well, that'd I mean, be great. I'd love to see <laughs> Liam Hendricks in an opening. I mean, spot. we saw in his rookie year Matt Foster do a couple of openers, so yeah. maybe he can do it. He's looked solid today, like Shush Poppy says. If he can be an opener, we just need innings, as as uh, Vinny said. This team's gonna hit. And yes, it's not ideal for us to be throwing openers the first week of baseball, but this is the lot we've been given. They need to just adjust to what they've been given and go on and know that you can still win that game if you have a guy that hasn't pitched in the majors, that hasn't started in the major leagues before in Tanner Banks, go out and give you three, four innings, and then just do what they did today, piecemeal it together because they knew they were going to have to do that with Michael Kopech in this start and probably his next start. And we are still waiting on Johnny Cueto and what his situation is. He'll probably need to start at some point. They uh, just announced it, right, his deal, his minor league deal? Um, it was still not official yet, and this is per uh, Vinny Duber. I don't know where he works. Mm. Uh, April 8th mm. uh, that the, uh, the, the, the deal was still unofficial uh, as of April 8th. So uh, you know he'll probably spend some time in Arizona and then head to AAA. Uh, but Ethan Katz knows him and worked with him in San Francisco for a little bit there too. Yeah, I think it's going to be a while uh, until Johnny Cueto is is ready to go. Like you said, the deal's not official yet, but it is expected to be announced soon. Uh, the plan, the, the White Sox have a plan to, to have him be at Arizona for a little bit, then spend some time facing minor league hitters uh, in AAA Charlotte. Uh, it could be about, you know, three, four, five starts maybe that, that he would need. We'll see how it ends up going. Uh, but right now, I think you can only consider him kind of a depth option. I, I don't think you can really expect him to be a guy who's going to come up to the, to the majors and and stay there and stay in the rotation for the remainder of the year unless proven otherwise, right? right? And so I think performance is obviously going to be the end-all, be-all, but right now don't expect him to be the savior riding in on one of his uh, one, of, one of his famed horses. Right. <laughs> R.I.P. to uh, Popeye. Hey, it's a, Sean, a tragic situation. Um, what's up? Lawrence had told me he made you a full screen. Oh, yeah, hold on, one second. Just give me one second. Just, we'll, we'll wrap this up. I didn't want to – yeah, yep. I know we're almost done. I didn't want to forget about no, it. No, I yeah. appreciate it. I was going to absolutely forget about it. Uh, so, a uh, final thing, uh, Jimmy Lambert could possibly be called up. He's he's had some spot starts before. Uh, and then – but Cade McClure has also had some nice starts down in Charlotte. Uh, he's, he's let on a, a decent amount of uh, base runners, uh, nine hits, five walks, but he's been effective, a low ERA down in Charlotte. So, excited to see – or not excited, but interesting to see what the White Sox might do here, uh, trying to fill out this rotation. So, the, the big question mark will be Thursday. Sox open up the home opener uh, on Tuesday, and they'll play the Mariners Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. On Monday, tomorrow at 2 p.m., we will have a live show for you. Me, Vinny, and Herb will be back at you, and we a Monday mailbag. So, if you are a member for uh, all CHGO – chgo.com go into our discord the chgo lounge and send in your questions that you have for me Vinny, and herb all right let's get to the final thing before because we've been here for a long time let's get to the final thing did you guys see what happened yesterday uh tied for the second most strikeouts in a giants debut five innings three hits one earned run two walks 12 k's for carlos rodon i took the under on his strikeouts yesterday like a stupid idiot Great to see. I mean, I, I know that, you know, I, I complained a lot about the White Sox not signing, not reaching out for a qualifying offer, but Carlos Rodon gets paid, and he backs it up for those San Francisco fans yesterday. Good for him and good for Ashley. Hope he enjoyed that start. 
I'm moved on. I mean, and you don't even have faith in your guy. You go with the under, ridiculous. Come I know, but I was I, I was going under a lot this weekend just, just because I feel like you know guys might not be going have faith. four innings, go five innings. Yeah, I should have be faith. all in. I should all in on Carlos yeah, Rodon. I, I mean, good I for regret him. it. I, I I have been on record saying I don't mind what Rick Hahn did, uh, not extending him a qualifying offer. My problem is not going to get a person that would be either replacing his innings or his production. So I haven't seen that yet. Maybe Vince Velasquez will stick it up the the, uh, Mariners' ass on Tuesday and say, hey, Herb, this is what I am. I got 12 strikeouts in a five-innings pitch. What do you mean, no way? I'll take you. You want to take that bet? I mean, Vince Velasquez to strike out 12 Mariners on Tuesday. I will give you plus $5,000. Give me eight, and I'll take it. No, you said 12. What a jerk. Can he match Carlos Rodon? No. Uh, he will not be a five war player he this does. year. Uh, I'm coming for you, Sean. Yeah, I'm just. I'm writing. A, I'm having a single sheet right there. It was more about the fact that he's a former White Sox. He's one of my favorite all time White Sox. He's a lefty. Got to give him love. He's been a long time White Sox in the organization. Uh, 2013 first round pick. So it's good to see him go on and have success. I'm not trying to harp on the fact that he's not here uh, too much. I just wanted to. You know, I thought it was on brand at just least to uh, go Dallas with it. Uh, and also, I was crying because I lost money because I didn't trust him. So I could have made some money if I took the over on those strikeouts. But that's going to wrap up today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow at 2 p.m. Remember to subscribe to the CHGO Sports YouTube channel. we got a lot of Bears fans subscribed to this channel, but we need more White Sox fans. And we see all of you guys in the comments. Thank you for your support uh, today and for the first opening series of the CHGO White Sox postgame. For Vinny Duber, you can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. For Herb Lawrence, you can follow him on Twitter, at Ecknerwall23. This is the CHGO White Sox postgame show and the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, at CHGO underscore White Sox. For our great production done by Lawrence earlier in the pregame and making that full-screen graphic, and to Clark for his great job producing, getting rid of all of those sex bots, and uh, <laughs> firing up the uh, the full-screen graphic. Great job by Clark. I'll mark those today. down so I can go there later on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, shout-out to uh, to Stephen uh, uh, Nicholas. I wanted to call him Scott Nickel uh, for again, uh, but Stephen Nicholas, our producer for the Sox. Uh, he's, he's a little bit ill right now, so we wish him the best and uh, hope he's feeling a little bit better. And we hope to see him this week. I'm Sean Anderson. Follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We'll be back tomorrow on the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Go Sox! Six. Six. Six.